Guide. I'm your host, Brianna. And I'm Dyson. And this is Dark Adaptation. where we haven't been since we discussed Aaron Chorney's case and the Mr. Big Sting operation. Mm. That was that was a crazy case. That was craziness. Um, it was also rather enjoyable because I find the Mr. Big Sting, op- Mr. Big Sting operation so wild. They are wild. There is absolutely like something you'd assume like is made out of Hollywood. Exactly. And they do go all Hollywood for it. So I was happy to be able to finally talk about that in a case, even though Aaron Chorney's case was so just horrible. (laughs) But Mr. Big Sting Operation is something else. And there's other cases I plan on covering with that. But anyway, this is um, a a disappearance. (laughs) Not a Mr. Big Sting operation. Right. I also always want to say Mr. Bing Stig operation. Mr. Bing Stig. <laughs> Mr. Bing Stig operation. <laughs> um, this isn't a disappearance case with any real resolution either, so just be prepared for that. But towards the end of the episode, we will talk a bit about the prevailing theories on what happened to 16-year-old Michaela Bali, who was last seen on the afternoon of April 12, 2016, in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. That morning, she went to school as usual, but left shortly after arriving. Before she vanished, she sent her friends cryptic messages, she made calls to unknown recipients, and her movements through town were strange. She even returned to school briefly before taking off again. There's no evidence that she met up with anyone or she left town on a bus or by other means. So what happened to Michaela Bali on that sunny spring afternoon? Michaela was last seen at a bus stop in Yorkton. The last time anyone saw her was on April 12, 2016. The next morning, her cell phone was turned off for good. When her cell phone stops working, it's basically the last contact we have of her with anyone. For Michaela to have been missing since April the 12th and for us to know nothing about where she's been is very concerning to us. Police said there's no evidence to develop any theories about what happened to Bali. For her friends and family, that's the hardest part. It's a hard feeling, um, not knowing whether she's alive or not. What happened to Michaela Bali? Michaela Margaret Kim Nybergall was born on July 2nd, 1999 in Regina, Saskatchewan. Her last name was Nybergall most of her life, and she had actually just changed it to Bali seven months before her disappearance in September 2015. Now, it's not like a random name, like that was her mom's last name. So I don't really know where 
Nyra Bell comes from, actually. Mm. Maybe that, or maybe Bali is a different name because I think her grandma's last name is Nybergall too. Mm. Anyway, she lived with her mother, <laughs> Paula Marie Bali, her two younger siblings, her aunt Rhonda, and her maternal grandma Margaret. Sadly, her grandfather had passed away a month prior to her disappearance, so the six family members lived together in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, which is a two-hour drive northeast of Regina. At the time our story takes place, which is April 2016, Michaela was 16. She would be turning 17 in July, and she was in the 11th grade at Sacred Heart High School. Michaela is artistic, and one of her favorite pastimes was photographing landscapes and wildlife and then submitting them to be featured on her local TV news station. Oh, that'd be that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Really like that. She also loves drama class and she loves music. She was actually taking violin lessons. And her Aunt Rhonda says right before she vanished, Michaela even got an accordion and learned how to play it so she could surprise her aunt by playing Happy Birthday. Wow. Yeah. Accordion. <laughs> I gotta be honest, the accordion is like one of my least favorite instruments though. Uh, it's very sweet that she was learning that. Yeah, I mean I think that's maybe part of like the surprise of it is like holy shit. Can I also can an I accordion? Before we get into the dark stuff, can I get one joke in? Okay. Okay, it's not a lot of really a joke as much as I just wanna let the US uh listeners mm-hmm. into one of uh Regina's <laughs> latest uh tourism um campaigns what you want to know what the slogan for it was i don't even know is it about a vagina it was show us your vagina oh. <laughs> <laughs> really yep and and then everyone went oh yeah everyone went is that well yeah is that really it show us your vagina show us your vagina well i mean Okay, I think it's hilarious, but I can imagine so how most people were like, it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> I just want to be in the room when someone pitched that. Also, um, American uh, people usually say Regina. Regina? Yeah, they don't say Regina. Oh. And I don't care because I can't even say Saskatchewan. Mm, yeah. I keep fair. saying Saskatchewan, but I think that's just the really Canadian side of me. Saskatchewan. <laughs> Saskatchewan. But manitoba eh? yeah like i don't know what it is it's when it's recording and like reading what i'm writing and i and it's places like it's there's something about it that just i think fucks with podcasters yeah i get it that makes sense because you're I've, reading it and you're like what the fuck and like i don't it's saskatchewan there's like four people that live there <laughs> <laughs> no one ever says it <laughs> like uh, says the word i was gonna argue with it but i actually have no rebuttal i don't know what the fuck saskatchewan's <laughs> known for beyond farming <laughs> um what watching your dog run away for three days oh that's true it's <laughs> <laughs> a good dad joke it's fantastic oh yeah i know it's saskatchewan but for some reason i just kept saying saskatchewan and now there's a, probably a whole ass blooper at the end of this about me not having a a actual crisis about how to say it my first of the amount of russian stories you've told and have gone like balls deep into getting the pronunciation correct and, and I, the the like dialect and everything and i am canadian and i can't say saskatchewan saskatchewan <sighs> yeah but i'm not two percent saskatchewan okay <laughs> yeah so 
Michaela, really sweet girl. She's a very thoughtful girl. She learns how to play the accordion to surprise her aunt with her happy with happy birthday. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's fine. Leave it. You can leave it. This is who All I right. am. Okay. On top of loving music, Paula said her daughter loves to read. She's a big fan of the Hunger Games, and she loves fantasy video games like League of Legends. Just, Paula- just like the most typical nerdy teen ever. Yeah, I was like, I've never played League of Legends, but I imagine it's like if I was 16 playing RuneScape. Yeah, it's that <laughs> intense, actually. Even I played it, it became... I mean, like, I wasn't, like, consumed, but yes, I was. <laughs> yes, I was. My whole house in university, we all played it as, like, a game that we all did, and it became, like, our nights. And it... you would hear shouting from, like, upstairs room and downstairs room, like, yelling about, like, different mm. strats and calls. Oh, okay. So it's way yeah. more intense than RuneScape. I play RuneScape to relax because it's so monotonous, but, yeah. like, and I still play RuneScape. Yeah. I was going, nope, okay, we can't keep, we can't keep meeting like this, Dyson. Stay on track. Paula further described Michaela as, quote, very sweet, shy, introverted, very dedicated to her family, and certainly loved her siblings. She has a younger brother and sister who are incredibly important to her. She was musical, and she just got into drama in high school, so music was kind of a way for her to step out of her shyness. But yeah, really a very typical girl, unquote. And uh, another point in this article... Paula says that at the time she disappeared, Michaela, who, like she said, is sweet, shy, introverted, she was seeming to kind of finally be a little bit more comfortable with herself. She said that she was like hitting her stride. Mm. Michaela told her friends that she wanted to be a vet or a teacher because she loves animals and children so much. And they actually had a family dog named Angel. Mm. So all around, Michaela is a very wholesome girl, very normal, very typical um seems just like a pretty laid-back chill person and normal and typical is exactly how tuesday april 12th 2016 started it was an ordinary day in the bali household paula said quote that morning nothing was out of sorts in our home it was an absolutely average day we get up michaela and i get get up around the same time we get ready we often do our hair and makeup in the bathroom together we just share about our day and chit chat and maybe listen to some tunes and grab some breakfast there's just nothing in my mind that stands out as being different than any other day unquote after grabbing breakfast saying goodbyes and i love yous to everyone else in the house michaela left with her grandma margaret who drove her to school again nothing seemed out of the ordinary Michaela went into the school as she normally did, and Margaret left, returning at the end of the school day to pick Michaela up to take her to her music lesson. Except Michaela was nowhere to be found. With no luck finding Michaela anywhere at or near the school, Margaret drove to Paula's workplace, where Paula immediately knew something was just horribly wrong because her mom never shows up at her work. So Paula was remaining as calm as she could, initially hoping it was some sort of misunderstanding or maybe Margaret and Michaela somehow missed each other. But with no sign or word from Michaela, the situation quickly escalated into a panicked one. Quote, to be frankly honest, I was literally running around the school, looking under school buses, screaming her name. It was very traumatic. No answer on her phone. I'm calling and texting and trying not to be completely frantic. Unquote. Um, That was from Paula. Paula was likely holding 
a bit of hope that Michaela had maybe run away or she was rebelling in some way, even though it was unlikely because Michaela never rebelled. She was a great kid. She didn't take risk, risks or act out. So at home, Paula searched the house for Michaela's possessions and she even checked their emergency cash stash, which she called the slush fund. Is that? Yeah, slush fund. A slush fund? Yeah, it's like your rainy day fund. All these like random things where you're like, oh, I bought like something and they give me change back. I'm going to toss it into the slush fund. Okay. Yeah. I've never heard that saying before. Mm -hmm. So she checked the slush fund. Um, so to see if any of the money had been missing or taken and uh, because then that might indicate that Michaela had taken it to run away but she didn't take it all of the money was still there it wasn't touched at all on top of that Michaela's acne medication was at home still so Paula was certain she didn't run away not without that because Michaela did have problems with acne mm -hmm. and she was self-conscious about it um, she actually had been bullied about her acne before, so it was something that she was very, like, regimented with. As the evening wore on with no word from Michaela and no sign of her coming home, the devastating reality set in that she was missing, and the family made a police report. According to Paula, our CMP investigators acted slowly to the news that her daughter was missing. I assume it's the typical story, you know, don't worry, she's around away, she'll be back, all of that. The RCMP did eventually start looking into her disappearance, though, and they ended up gathering surveillance footage from all over Yorkton to piece together Michaela's day on April 12th. Thanks to CBC, who used the footage and details that the RCMP had given them, we have a very detailed timeline of Michaela's movements the day that she disappeared. And so we've heard what April 12th was like through the lens of Michaela's family, you know, what they went through and what they witnessed. But let's start piecing this puzzle together and see what Michaela was up to and what the day looks like from her perspective. At 6.41 a.m. on April 12, 2016, Michaela texted her friend Oksana and asked her to drive her to the bank. She had apparently claimed that she had $5,000 in her bank account that she wanted to withdraw, but the investigation shows that she had nowhere close to that amount in her bank account, so no one really knows why that was the amount she chose to say she had or whatever. Oksana declined her offer, quote, I said, the bank doesn't open till like eight or something. And she texts back at seven o'clock. So now can you take me to the bank? Unquote. Mm. Again, Oksana didn't, which, I mean, it is like the first thing in the morning. It's Tuesday. You're going to go to school. She might think like, oh, someone else will drive her or like she'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, like under these circumstances and knowing what we know that she does go missing, I can only imagine that Oksana is like, damn, like what if I just drove her to the bank? Yeah. But uh, obviously Oksana couldn't have known. Yeah. And I would have been in Oksana's boots most like like her boots, her shoes most likely. I would have been like, girl, it's the first thing in the morning. It's Tuesday. I got to get ready. I'm this, taking this you to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret told police she dropped Michaela off at school between 8 and 8.15 in the morning. 
School records show Michaela logged on to the school's Wi-Fi at about 8.08 a.m. So that lines up. At 8.20 a.m., Michaela entered Sacred Heart High School. She went to her locker where she put a binder inside. And six minutes later, at 8.26 a.m., she left the school through a back entrance. Her ex-boyfriend sent a text to Michaela asking why she wasn't in school. And she responded that she was on the other side of town. No other reason was given, apparently. And I don't know if the ex-boyfriend was just like, cool, checks out. Or if he was like, but why? Because I would have had a lot of questions. Maybe he, she probably, he just probably just went, uh, all right, whatever. <laughs> You're on the other side of town? Okay. Because <laughs> that's, that's not an answer anyway. Yeah, why aren't you like, in school? I'm on the other school? side of town. I'm at the other side of town. <laughs> that's like something I would send you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, but why though? Like, are you, do you have an appointment? Are you at the doctor's? Do you just, are you just fucking skipping? Like, what's I going on? I just saw on? a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, <laughs> police are not sure if Michaela left school taking the main road or a path through the bush but she was captured by a surveillance camera at the super c convenience store at the esso gas station walking along the railroad tracks until she could not be seen anymore on camera so this route makes sense because the super c is on gladstone which is the same road that the high school is on and the railroad tracks pass over the main road Michaela was ultimately heading to which was Broadway Street. So it was probably a shortcut taken by locals, especially high school kids, to like walk along the train tracks. Mm-hmm. Like that makes total sense to me. Yep. And uh, this is a the point where I'll say there is a map. It is on our Instagram, Drag Adaptation Podcast. And I'll also put the map on our website under the post for this episode, if that works better for people to just go to our website, which mm-hmm. is darkadaptationpodcast.ca. We have original around here. <laughs> So Michaela makes her way to Broadway Street, arriving at the TD Bank between 8.50 and 8.55 a.m., just before it opened. So she's waiting for it to open, and she's seen talking to someone on her phone through um, the CCTV footage. When a bank teller opens the shutters, Michaela quickly ended the call that she was on and asked the teller to withdraw $55 from her bank account. She gets some money getting to the bank was clearly like this main objective for Michaela. She had been asking a friend for a ride first thing in the morning. And apparently the night before she was on the phone with the bank a bunch of times, I think like three times. Uh, And I don't really understand why, because in the articles I was reading, it was like the night before April 11th, she's on the phone with like customer service or whatever for the bank. And then she transfers $25 to her account. So, like, I don't really know what that means. Like, you transfer $25 to your own account? Or, like, did you? De- does it mean that she deposited 25 and she was waiting for it to appear? Like, I, I'm not really sure about that, but yeah. she's very adamant about <laughs> this bank situation and accessing whatever money she has. Mm-hmm. So, she gets $55. She leaves TD Bank en route to Terry's Pawn and Bargain. So she arrived at the pawn shop at exactly 9 a.m. She enters. She talked to the owner, Terry Hedden, asking him to evaluate a silver ring that she was wearing. But he turned her down. Uh, He later said, quote, silver values really low. So it just wasn't enough value in the ring to even bother making an offer on it. She was quiet and didn't seem to be in distress or anything like that, unquote. Mm -hmm. So... It was a really brief interaction. He was just like, nah, I don't really want your ring. 
and she seemed fine. Mm-hmm. Hedden, Terry Hedden said that Michaela left the pawn shop heading south, which is back towards Broadway, that main road with the TD Bank that she was just at. At 9.10 a.m., she entered a combined Tim Hortons and Wendy's restaurant, which apparently Canadians love a combined Tim Hortons Wendy's. Oh, yeah. That partnership. Oh, it's one of the best partnerships. There is so many. I can think like in my head right now, I can see like four. Yeah. People love a good t- a Timmy's and Wendy's combo. Yeah. Attendees. <laughs> a Wimmy's. <laughs> I like tendies. So she enters a, a Tim Hortons and Wendy's restaurant combination. She purchases a small drink. It looks like a small coffee or hot chocolate or something. And she walks over to a booth where she puts her backpack down and eventually takes a seat. One of her friends... Um, says that Michaela always took a purse to school. She never had a backpack. So this stands out to everyone as odd. Plus, there's surveillance footage. Like, there's so much surveillance footage available. Um, I did, I will post on Instagram a, like, compilation I made. And even that is just, like, it's a minute's worth, which is a pretty good amount. And there's still more out there if you just go looking for it, if you want to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I've watched so much of the surveillance footage and the way that she moves with this backpack like if she's standing up and she's putting it on her shoulders there's like a little like hop to it and i've done that if my backpack's heavy like Mm -hmm. if i have a bunch of stuff in it so you're like adjusting it like you're yeah because you gotta adjust the strap on your shoulder and exactly and when she walks away and you can see her from behind the backpack is like real low Mm. which I would also do if I always had a fuck ton of stuff in it. Yeah. And like taking that like jump as you're putting it on, like you don't, you wouldn't do that really if it was light. And this is just what I'm noticing when I watch it. Mm -hmm. So it, it's already weird that she has a backpack when her friends are like, nah, she always just had a purse. She didn't need a backpack. She would just carry her binder. So she has a backpack and it seems like it's heavy. Stands out. Michaela is alone in this Tim Hortons. She's using her phone, sitting in the booth, and she's often looking out the windows or at the doors. Like, she turns around to look at the entrance behind her several times. As she was sitting in the booth, she appeared to take her phone apart, put it back together, and then begin using it again. And there's footage of that, too. It is a little bit hard to see exactly what she's doing, but it does look like she's taking her phone apart. Like, popping out the battery and putting it back in? Um, I don't really know because it's 2016. Mm. So I don't really know if you would pop out the battery. Yeah, that's why I asked because I was like, if it's not popping out the battery, like that's some extensive shit. <laughs> and, but like, I'm trying to think about what kind of phone I had in 2016. And actually, you know what? I definitely could get the battery out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, what else would she be doing if she's taking it apart? Unless it was like just the phone case. But I don't think I had a phone case. Anyway, she's being weird with her phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At 9.23 a.m., after sitting in the booth for 13 minutes, she grabs her bag and leaves the Timmy's through one exit, then returns through another entrance, strolling through the restaurant and then out an exit again, walking north past her surveillance camera at the nearby home hardware where she's captured briefly. So it's very strange because... Looks like she's looking for someone. Exactly. Yeah. 19 minutes later... 
At 9.42 a.m., she reappears on the home hardware surveillance footage, walking past it and heading back to the Timmy's that she just left. As she walks inside at 9.49 a.m., she is on the phone. She's got it up to her ear like she's talking to someone. But police have no record of that call, leading them to believe that the call was made using some sort of app. There's no phone record of the number calling anyone. Oh, okay. So it'd be like WhatsApp or something like that? Exactly. Okay. This time, Michaela sat in a different booth, closer to the window and facing the door that she had previously been watching. Her call ends, and she begins sending messages and looking out the window periodically. So at 10.03 a.m., she sent her friend Shelby a text message that said, Hey, I need help. 20 minutes later, at 10.23 a.m., she sent a follow-up text that said, Never mind, I figured it out. So Shelby didn't see these messages until she was home from school. And when she does see them, it's hours later. And Shelby assumes that Michaela was maybe asking for a ride or help with an assignment. She never thought that it might be any sort of like plea for help, like because Michaela is in some sort of situation or danger. Um, Like I said, she just saw the messages after school. And even then, she had no idea that Michaela was missing. No one initially thought she was missing after school mm-hmm. so she never like finds out what Michaela could have been asking for when she asks for help yeah at ten twenty-five a.m Michaela walks out the north doors of the tim hortons before walking back into the restaurant two minutes later and then returning to the same booth She appears to be speaking with someone on her phone, but again, no calls were made to or from her phone on that day, like using her phone number, a typical inbound, outbound call. 16 minutes later, at 10.43 a.m., Michaela speaks with an older lady sitting at a table next to her booth, and she asks this woman to help her rent a hotel room, which the lady refuses. The RP, the RCMP says the woman didn't ask any questions or follow up with Michaela at all. She just was like, nah. And then that was it. Which I don't really want to judge this lady, but a 16 year old and Michaela looks like a 16 year old. She looks like a like a kid, like a teenager. Mm -hmm. I would be like, uh, listen, dear, (laughs) what's going on? It's Tuesday. Why aren't you in school? Why do you have this huge backpack? Why are you asking for a hotel room? Are you in trouble? Do you need something for real? Can I help you other than getting you a hotel room? Like, I would have so many questions. Yeah. But I don't know. This woman clearly had a policy of, like, not my business. Yeah. But she's a 16-year-old girl. Yeah, something's fucking... On a Tuesday... Something's up if if that happens. On a Tuesday morning. You should have concerns. (laughs) At 10.44 a.m., immediately after speaking with the older woman, Michaela left Tim Hortons while on the phone. While she's outside, she walked up to a woman and asked her for help renting a hotel room, too. This woman also said no, and it was later reported to the police, I assume, after seeing news that Michaela went missing, which is why, you know, she would know that about telling about this weird encounter. But yeah, that's the second woman that she's asked Mm -hmm. to rent a hotel room. 
Video surveillance shows her walking westbound down Broadway Street, away from the Tim Hortons in the direction of the TD and her school and stuff like that. Between 10.45 and 11.59 a.m., Michaela's whereabouts are unknown. She resurfaces on surveillance when she returns to Sacred Heart High School at 11.59 a.m. So, according to Google Maps, it is a walking distance of 2.6 or 2.7 kilometers, depending on what route you take, from the Broadway Tim Hortons to her high school. That would take the average person 36 to 38 minutes to walk. Michaela left the Tim Hortons at 10.44, and she got back to school at 11.59, so that's 75 minutes, an additional 39 to 37 minutes, if you're going off of what Google says it takes to walk. Now, I've thought about this a lot, and mainly because, of course, going on web sleuths or Reddit and stuff like that, and people talk about this case, tons of speculation as to what she was doing for basically 40 minutes which is like in like the average person taking this trip they could walk from tim hortons to the high school back to tim hortons but she took 75 minutes to do this Mm -hmm. and i don't think it's anything out of the ordinary like that she was doing i don't think she went anywhere else that no one knows about i don't think that she really met up with anybody and I think this because of what we've seen and heard of her doing so far. So I personally think that it actually took her that long to walk to the school because we know that her movements are erratic. She can't commit to a location. She's walking back and forth in and out. She's on the phone. She's off the phone. She's sitting in this booth. Now she's sitting in that booth. Like, I think it makes sense that her walk back to school was just as disorganized. Yep. That is my personal opinion. Um, but I can imagine her stopping, looking at her phone, maybe backtracking, thinking, I got to go back to that Tim Hortons and then committing to going back to the school instead. I can, I can actually like picture that is how her trip went. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. What do you agree? You listener, do you agree? That's just my thought process. Like, what do you think, Dyson? Uh, yeah, I know. It's the frustrating part is it could be anything anything at all i don't think she left that area i mean i feel like it would be caught i mean it's just it's saskatchewan but like so you know not exactly gonna be a ton of stuff around so it's really hard to track movements but i i don't think she left it and also like you could be doing anything from skipping rocks to god knows what right like mm-hmm. it's just a black spot we have no context for i i agree with you though i think she was super indecisive about what she was doing. Yeah. I think something was like pressing on her mind so much that she wasn't really thinking about what she was doing. And then when she realized she was doing it, she tried to correct it to like, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, yo, I'm in this one booth and then I'm all nervous dismantling my phone. Oh, I'm in the other booth. So I don't know. What also strikes me as like, whatever this is, it's fucking urgent was that this girl is known for being very shy and she's approaching people. That's so true. Like one on one to like ask, and she's sitting in a booth alone, like eating alone, like mm-hmm. like those those kind of things are just usually take a really confident and maybe a little more outgoing person to be doing that, and it's just strikingly out of character. And one of the alarming things is a conversation going on outside of 
conventional text messages. Yeah. And like seemingly like not not tracked by police, like mm-hmm. unable to determine who it is. Exactly. So that gets really sketchy. Mm-hmm. Cause it's something like that, you don't know what that can be. If it's untracked, that could be drug dealers, that could be, you know, sex traffickers, mm-hmm. whole and you can go from anywhere from kid trying to just buy some weed to um like sex traffickers and extortion yeah exactly it's a terrifying scenario right or it could just be someone she knows and she just uses fucking whatsapp you know like we don't know the, so it's really the all those situations like i don't know every time we get I'm, I'm the least fun person to ask that question because i look at something like that and go you know i've been surprised so many goddamn times in my life by making assumptions and being so incredibly wrong about it that i just refuse to like plant my flag on any kind of hill because it's just it could be something you would say would never in a million years happen and it did and there's a perfectly reasonable explanation or it's something that you know is just completely out of left field Uh uh-huh also this isn't something that you need like fun speculation on you know it's not like we're talking about it's bigfoot real yeah (laughs) so don't worry about that yeah but um, I can tell you for sure that it wasn't WhatsApp, but it was something similar and worse. So, okay, you have the right to be thinking about those little red flags that are popping up because that will come up um, in a bit when we start kind of speculating on uh, theories and stuff like that. Because right now this is just her movements. So back to the... T- timeline of her movements by 11 59 a.m michaela was back at school rcmp reports say she spoke to two other students reported to be two of her friends at 12:01 p.m and when she was talking to them she told them that she was going to take a bus to regina for a vacation one of the friends later told police that michaela might have been carrying two cell phones mm. never confirmed it's just this friend that says she might have had two cell phones I don't know if she saw both cell phones. I don't know if Michaela, for some reason, told her she had two. I have no idea, but that's what a friend told the police. Okay. Michaela leaves the school again at 12.02 p.m., so she was there for three minutes, and she walks down Gladstone Avenue on her way to the STC bus depot, which is just the Saskatchewan Transportation Company. It's like where Greyhound buses go. After finding out that the bus she wanted to board would leave at 5 p.m., she left the booth without buying a ticket or anything. She then went inside the bus depot restaurant, which is called the Trail Stop, and she ordered a Putin. 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 No CCTV footage captures her at either of these locations. It's just eyewitnesses that say Michaela was in there. Sometime between 1 p.m. and 1.45 p.m., Michaela exited the restaurant and bus depot, and that's the last time that she is accounted for ever. Wow. That's so fucking weird. Yeah, and um, I was going to leave it on a little dramatic note to put music in, but we can still put music in after. I was wondering why all of these. this timeline is so tight. It's very tight, except for the an hour, 75 minutes, mm-hmm. where it's like 
where was she? And it's like, I think she actually was just being a scatterbrain walking back to school. But this time frame of sometime between 1 p.m. and 1.45 p.m., she leaves the restaurant and bus depot and is never seen again. I'm like, 45 minutes is a long time. But what I've gathered is that I know that the bus depot and the restaurant were in the same building. There's like a shared entrance inside that leads into the restaurant. And it's t- it's Tuesday in the early afternoon. There's no one really in there at that time. So the waitress or whoever was serving, Michaela, s- said that the restaurant was really dead and she had gone on her lunch break. So she had already served Michaela and she wasn't paying atten- any attention to her anymore. Mm-hmm. So she just left on her lunch break. So Michaela was just in there alone. So it's frustrating because she's likely alone, but there's no CCTV footage. So we don't know if somebody did come in and meet her and leave with her or if she ate and then left on her own. We don't know what happened in that 45 minutes because the server, whoever, was out to lunch, literally. That's so weird I to know. just leave the entire building alone and yeah. empty. Like, I don't know if she just was in the back, if she was smoking. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'd have to assume she just went into the back. Yeah, she was on like her own lunch to. break, so she didn't pay attention to her. Plus, it's it's Michaela. She's just like this girl. She's eating her poutine. She's just minding her own. Mm-hmm. Not You're not really going to think that you have to keep an eye on her, I guess. So we don't know exactly what happened in that 45 minutes. If someone came in and grabbed her, met up with her, that she left off her own, she left alone. No mm-hmm. idea. So that part's frustrating, especially because that's the last time that anyone could have accounted for her. And she's just gone now. It's so strange. So strange and so frustrating. that timeline putting together the surveillance footage talking to people at the locations Michaela visited that day that was the first part of RCMP's investigation into her disappearance and really the bulk of it because after doing all of that no one was any closer to finding Michaela there was no trace of her or where she went when she left the trail stop restaurant they could not confirm that she purchased any sort of bus tickets it did not appear that she did so she's literally just vanished Hmm. rcmp did some grid searches and area searches and stuff like that but nothing of significance was found so it really did feel like the investigation just stalled Mm -hmm. after putting her the timeline together of course, there was numerous sightings, people coming forward saying that they, you know, they see her at such and such location and police would go there to, to investigate it. But there was no sign of Michaela, whoever was believed to be Michaela. So there's no official sightings or encounters with Michaela since she ate at the trail stop over seven years ago. Tips came in saying Michaela has been seen with people. Um, the day that she disappeared, there was a tip, like, um, she was with this man who had a flaming cross tattoo on his arm at the bus depot, but the police tracked him down because it was such a specific description. And it turned out that he was at the bus depot, but it's just because he was in the same place as her and he stopped to hold the door open for her. And that's it. 
So oh, okay. he was investigated. He's not a suspect in her disappearance. This is where we kind of get into the social media side of her case. And in my opinion, it's the scariest part of her case. <laughs> because when, when a case involves kids and teens and social media, it is scary. Mm-hmm. Just listen to last week's episode on Austin Lee Edwards. Yeah. As part of their investigation, obviously police are looking into her her phone, her phone records, her presence on social media, basically her digital footprint. And they learned that at 6.51 a.m. on April 13th, so the day after she went missing, her phone was shut off and it never turned on again. And she has left no digital footprint of any sort at all. Like, it literally is like she disappeared off the face of the earth. It's terrifying. Yes. Well, her friend Shelby showed police that a message she sent to Michaela on Snapchat after she had disappeared appeared to have been opened. It's never been confirmed if it was actually opened by someone deliberately, if it opened because of a glitch. Like, there is really no way to know. But there's no evidence of her having a legit online presence anymore. So it is interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of where it goes. Like, it's just interesting. And it's sort of like a little beacon of hope that maybe she can access her Snapchat. Yeah. I'm not in the glitch camp at all. Yeah, I don't have Snapchat. I've never used it. I, I don't. I got it for maybe like three seconds when it first came out. Yes. And someone was like, you need to get it. And they tried to talk to me on it. And I'm like, what do you mean I have to take a photo every time I want to respond? So annoying. And it's only you like sideways on the camera. Like I didn't, anyway, it's stupid as shit. I just don't like social media, <laughs> obviously. Like yeah. if you're listening to this, I have like this weakest social media presence, even for this, it, our podcast. Hmm. I try, but I don't like social media. <laughs> But this is a 16-year-old girl in 2016. She liked social media. She used it. She had Snapchat. So Mm -hmm. did she open this message? Did someone else using her account open this message? Was it a glitch? Is it normal for messages to glitch in Snapchat? Don't know. But it's interesting, and it was a small glimmer of hope that maybe she accessed it. Mm -hmm. There was a second message sent that never has been opened, so I don't know. An Instagram account under Michaela's name was later discovered, um, separate from one that she already had, apparently. For a split second, people had hope because she was missing. And again, she's 16. She's active on social media. There's, there's hope that she has made a new account. The account had hundreds of followers, but then there was no activity, and the bio simply said, goodbye. The account then disappeared, and again... I will insert my personal opinion here. I don't think that this was Michaela. I think that this is just someone who was sick and making a fake account. Yeah, someone's fucking around. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't... Someone saying goodbye wouldn't do that. Wouldn't make a separate account randomly. And later. Then, yeah, later? No. And not post anything. Not even, like, one weird photo. Or like, the, it was just nothing. The bio just said goodbye. Shit like that makes me wonder if, like... You said that was Instagram? Yes, that was an Instagram account. Shit like that, because it's Facebook, right? Like, they, they fucking know everything and anything. I don't think it was in 2016, though. Instagram? Was it Meta? I thought they made it. Oh, Maybe my I'm, God. Did yeah. they? I thought they just bought it. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But oh, like, my God. Either way, I mean, like, these things track, like, IP, 
like whatever email is associated with the account and stuff and then police can usually subpoena that or do something with it yeah but it's american and there's different privacy and stuff different privacy policy policies and they can subpoena it but it is so uh expansive it will be literally thousands and thousands of pages Mm -hmm. of just all kinds of weird data data points and numbers and everything and you have to have a an expert who is like fluent in that go through the thousands of pages and put together anything that could mean something yeah like it's almost a waste of time mm-hmm. like most of the time yeah for what is probably some dumb fuck kid fucking around over there exactly yeah. um i'm just quickly googling did facebook create instagram because i didn't think they did i thought they just bought it but yeah nope they didn't create it they bought it they bought it okay and that was in 2018 okay wait what the hell did facebook invent instagram they bought it in 2012 actually so i don't fucking know facebook just owns everything i'm so (laughs) i'm so sorry everyone this episode is chaotic and i'm a hot mess you're doing good (laughs) behind the scenes i've had to stop it so many times and be like wait (laughs) i fucked up and i sound just like that Mm. so this this account goodbye is the bio probably some sicko who just made this to fuck around there is a legit account about michaela now it's called michaela family bali michaela family bali and it's dedicated to michaela and to finding her and there's also a facebook page called let's bring michaela bali home so if you do come across those two social media profiles they are legitimate yeah michaela had apparently been texting a person named christopher who was from north carolina michaela's ex-boyfriend who was still friends with her obviously we know that he texted her on the day that she went missing said that Michaela had told him that Christopher was planning to visit Saskatchewan to see his mother and he would come by Yorkton too as part of his trip so obviously police are like that's interesting number one this guy's from North Carolina so he's in the states Mm -hmm. and he talks to her and says he'll be in the area at some point we gotta talk to this guy yeah, that's fucking, that's not a red flag. That's the red flag depot being thrown <laughs> at you. No kidding. Yeah. So police located this Christopher guy, and he was interviewed by both the RCMP and U.S. investigators, who also searched his house. But there's no evidence at all that he was in Canada during the time Michaela went missing, and there was nothing found in his house that was suspicious, so he's not a suspect in her disappearance. And Christopher talked to CBC News and told them that he and Michaela had just been talking just as like online friends. Um, She, I don't know how long they were talking, but it was like a decent amount of time. And she had been apparently going through some tough stuff emotionally. She was a little bit depressed. There was some like suicidal ideation stuff happening. And so he was being a a friend you know like telling her to stay strong giving her advice that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so that was the the sort of majority of their friendship now where it gets weird is christopher was actually a 43 year old (laughs) man with a second family (laughs) so i don't know how old he was but i do get the impression that he was grown like he was an adult 
Really? I get that impression, but again, I I don't know for sure. Yeah. Um as part of this conversation, this ongoing conversation that they were having, Michaela had told him that she'd previously attempted suicide, but he told CBC News, and I think it's been corroborated or verified by police, that through their conversations and stuff, she was doing a lot better more recently. She, she wasn't, you know, trying to take her life or anything, talking about doing it, at least at this these more recent times Mm -hmm. and that is also kind of seen through what her mom is saying about her you know like she seemed to be hitting her stride she was finding comfort and confidence in drama and music and stuff but you never really know what's going on with someone especially a teenager who has social media yeah but that was kind of christopher's you know appearance in this story the suicide attempt that he mentioned can't be confirmed or isn't confirmed that I can find. Michaela was known to self-harm and she reportedly has numerous scars on her upper thighs. So that is a fact. There were uh, several people that she had been talking to, several boys, young men. Uh, One of them was a guy named Josh And authorities found someone that she knew named Josh that she hadn't seen in a few years. But this person is not believed to be the Josh that she was actually texting. This person that they found was like someone that she knew from some sort of youth camp or something. Okay. So this Josh person that she had been texting is kind of a mystery. Yeah, with such a distinct name. (laughs) (laughs) Josh, yeah. um, Those are like the two named ones, Christopher and Josh. But there is, like I said, other people that had been identified police that had been corresponding with Michaela, but they were unable to develop any further leads from her social media activity and stuff like that. Like it just kind of ends there with like the mystery people that she was talking to and identifying them Mm -hmm. on March 1st, 2016. So a bit over a month before she disappeared, Michaela shared a screenshot of herself on Snapchat, asking people to contact her. It said, quote, Looking for Snapchat friends because I have none in real life. Add me. Please don't be a greasy fuck and send me gross ass nudes. Just looking for a friend. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like that's actually, unfortunately, a necessary preface. It is. Yeah. It's don't be a greasy fuck and send me gross ass nudes. I would love that <laughs> on my bio. Because <laughs> there is so many freaks who you just like be like, oh, a message. And you open it and it's just a big fucking boner here's my wiener and you're like mm, didn't need that also <laughs> why does it look like that never seen one so old before ew <laughs> ew <laughs> like oh shave your balls <laughs> so she's like i want friends but don't be a fucking creep i don't want your unprompted nudes no one does dick pic gross This post she made opens up the possibility to her having been communicating with other random people she met online. And it's suspected that on the day she went missing, she was in contact with one of her online friends that she had made plans to meet whoever this person was, possibly at that Tim Hortons that she kept returning to, or maybe in Regina where she wanted to take a bus to. Um... 
I mean, this this is all just speculations, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's a big gap in in what's happened, right? So, and then if you think about it, you had briefly mentioned it too when we were talking about the timeline of her movements. Her day moving around Yorkton is super weird and it is kind of creepy because it's almost like she doesn't know what to do with herself and she's pacing and she can't sit still and some of her actions seem like she is waiting for someone or she's looking for someone that she is supposed to be meeting. So that kind of fits with having met someone online that she was supposed to be meeting. Then on top of visibly seeing her, using her phone, talking on the phone, all of that, TELUS only has a couple records of text messages that she sent that day. There's no records of these numerous phone calls that she appears to be making in the surveillance footage, which is also eerie. And this is the main reason that police believe she was using some sort of app to message and call from. And you had said WhatsApp. But Michaela's friends confirmed with investigators that she was using an app called Kick to talk to people. K-I-K. Okay. So Kick is a it's a messenger app. It's sort of like WhatsApp. I had never heard of Kick, but apparently it's like a popular Canadian messaging app. Okay. So my understanding is that it is sort of like WhatsApp, but with WhatsApp, it's associated to you like it's associated to your name your phone number email whatever like it has very specific criteria it needs in order to function Mm -hmm. kick doesn't need any of that you don't have to have a phone number or give it a phone number you don't have to have details to give it all you have to do is make a username and then and then you can talk to meet video chat whatever with random people okay and that's what she was using was kick oh good Mm mm-hmm which is why I was like, it's not WhatsApp. It's worse. <laughs> yep. That sounds a lot worse. Because WhatsApp at least has like more safeguarding. Kick mm-hmm. is just like, what's your username? Great. Let's go. That's sketchy as shit. And on WhatsApp, you kind of have that. Um, I don't really know how you would call it. Like, like a friend request almost, you know, like on WhatsApp, you're agreeing to add the other person. They have to have your info, vice versa. Just like a Facebook friend request works like you can accept it or you can deny it mm-hmm. like on kick you can just do whatever you just directly connect with people mm-hmm. whether they like it or not yeah okay well that's fucking ridiculous i know <laughs> and there's like no parental controls really with it so yeah. like she is 16 but i mean she, like it's just it's just not a, it doesn't seem like a good app to be using no. like you're not gonna you could get into trouble easily yeah. So if she was talking to random people through apps like Kick that don't require any personal information, it makes sense why nobody around her could figure out who she was calling that day and why Telus had no records of her making a phone call. Because you can make video calls and stuff through Kick, and it's obviously not going to show up that you used your phone because it doesn't need to be associated with a phone number. Mm-hmm. But there's also the possibility that she did make a typical phone call like an inbound outbound call but from an unknown phone because there was that one friend at the high school that she spoke to upon returning briefly around noon that said it appeared Michaela had two cell phones so again never that's never been confirmed it's such a yeah, but if yeah. she had a second cell phone then it would make sense why there's no records for it because they don't know what the cell phone is 
Where the fuck would she get a second cell phone? I don't know, but if she had a second cell phone, I don't think that's something uh, that a typical 16-year-old would do. If she had a second cell phone, which I lean towards her not having a second cell phone personally, but if she did, it can still kind of fall into the umbrella of her maybe using her original phone that she always had, that everyone knew she had, using apps like Kick, communicating with people who were maybe grooming her or catfishing her or whatever and prompting her to get a second phone and maybe that's why she was so fixated on money because she had spent money on a phone but I really don't know because I feel like it would have been obvious if we're talking about her purchasing a phone that she had or whoever she was communicating with gave her that second phone but then that means that she would have already met somebody so like it's just kind of messy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm running through scenarios. Like if someone's connecting for nefarious reasons with her, and has done so through kick, I'd assume that they'd be like, well, like get a like. I assume that they wouldn't be like get a second phone for like so it's less traceable. Like <laughs> it's already like you're already connected through kick, so either you trust that it's not traceable, which obviously you, isn't. Yeah, apparently it's fucking not um great but the only other then like so i was like no absolutely not the only thing in my head that's going like well okay maybe this is the reason they already knew that they'd be taking her or something Mm -hmm. and they wanted her to have the second phone Mm -hmm. but then and then you'd have to like she would have to like leave the first phone at home like I, i don't know none of this makes sense no, that's why, and like maybe that's why it was immediately in the morning, almost seven a.m. the next day that her her phone went off. But like, that's it gets messy, and this is also just like super speculative because we don't even know she had a second phone. Yeah, I really just, don't. It's not enough for me to be like she had a second phone. And yeah, like I said, <laughs> I kind of lean towards her not having one. I'm in the camp that she was just using her normal, regular phone. And using apps like Kick and communicating with this person through them, there's no record because you can make calls and whatever, video calls. And even though she's holding it up to her phone, like her ear, like she's on a typical phone call and it's a video call, I don't think that really matters because maybe she didn't want to have like speaker output in the middle of Tim Hortons. Or if she is communicating with a nefarious person, maybe this person is a professional and professionals like that always have excuses as to why their camera isn't working or whatever so Mm -hmm. they don't have it on or it's blacked out or whatever so she is just using it as a typical phone call like i think it is more in that camp yeah yeah whoever she was talking to and potentially going to meet might have had nefarious intentions and was catfishing her to believe that they were just a friend or maybe a love interest, something like that. But when they finally met up, she was kidnapped by some freak or she was potentially brought into human trafficking, like you said. Mm. And I know that human trafficking, sex trafficking, those kind of conversations seem to like come up so often when you're talking about missing people. But there's a reason for that and it's because it happens and yeah, it is, like happens a lot it is like terrifying. i feel like everyone who goes like oh why do we always go right to that it's like because i don't happens. know man because statistically that's what happens yeah like i mean like it's the most rational re- like there's a reason people jump to it mm-hmm. rationally if you're just 
if you don't know something and you're just looking at statistically what happened, hey, man, that's one of the top ones. It really is. Yeah. And especially, so she's in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. And the two other, like, big cities are obviously Saskatoon and Regina. And Saskatoon and Regina have an insanely high rate of human trafficking because they are two of, like, the only highly populated areas in Saskatchewan and Mm -hmm. it's in like these isolated prairie provinces there's only so many main roads like there's a huge problem imagine you're driving and it's nothing but field and then suddenly you hit Mm -hmm. like a metropolis exactly like that's that's what that is yep yep and I think personally again this is another one of my personal kind of opinions and theories i think yorkton would be an ideal place to target people for human trafficking when i research a case i like to spend a lot of time in the city or the area that the events took place in so that i can get a feel of the area um, that we're in in case i have to make maps or whatever so looking at a map of yorkton i know i noticed that it's like a meeting point like an intersection of all of these major roads and highways and stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you look at Yorkton from an aerial view, it looks like it has these spokes, like veins almost coming out of it in like a like a star kind of. There's main highways. There's Highway 9. It leads in from the north and it exits out the south. Highway 10 comes in from the east and exits out the southwest towards Regina. Highway 52 comes in from the west, and then Yellowhead Highway passes through, and Yellowhead Highway is Route 16 of the Trans-Canada Highway, and that's headed towards Saskatoon. So if police trying to investigate this, it's like the, like, allegorical, like, intersection. It is. Like, it's, they might as well have just walked straight into an intersection, and someone said, which path did she just take? Yep. And you just go, I don't fucking know. And these are, like, the like huge highways like major highways Mm -hmm. so yorkton is the sixth largest city in saskatchewan with a population just over sixteen thousand, which doesn't sound like a really big city but in the prairie sixteen thousand is a pretty big city Mm -hmm. so it could be an ideal location for a predator to swoop in and take a girl off the streets because she is out of there there's all these highways that lead right through town like broadway street that i've been mentioning that is highway 10 like it's uh, a hub. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was really creepy while I was looking at it. Yeah. So when you're especially talking... Regina being like right at the border. But yeah, Regina's two hours away, and you just get on Highway 10. It takes you right out to Regina. Yep. Or you just get on to uh, Route 16, the Trans Canada Highway. Mm-hmm. Takes you to Saskatoon, which, yep. like I said, Saskatoon and Regina both have a huge human trafficking. Uh, problem and trans it's trans canada highway like it's going all across the country there's different routes obviously this one's 16 but like Mm -hmm. you you could just be out of there Mm -hmm. these theories and speculations aside police have consistently treated michaela's disappearance as a missing persons case and said that they have no evidence of foul play so one of the prevailing theories is that michaela is a runaway Her high school friends have even said that her actions that day she went missing were intentional on her part. Like, she seemed very determined to leave. 
Uh, some people point to her social media posts, which indicated that she was unhappy and planned to leave at some point. But Paula, her mother, points out that these posts were very old and they were no longer relevant at the time of her disappearance. She's also a 16-year-old yeah. child who's probably got a flair for dramatics because they're going through things. Exactly. Like, and every one are... of us has, like, probably had the same kind of, like, growing up phase. Lord, I do not want to see any Facebook posts or nothing from when I was 16. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> I would die. Yeah. It would just be, like, escape the fate lyrics. Oh, God. <laughs> Paula doesn't believe that her daughter ran away. She admits that she initially entertained the idea, uh, but she quickly changed her mind when she realized stuff like the emergency money, the slush fund money was not taken. When she realized that Michaela didn't take her acne medication, like she was like, nah, this kid did not intentionally run away or at least plan on being gone. Investigators have followed up on over 600 leads about Michaela and her disappearance, and those leads have taken them as far away as Colombia and Scotland. But sadly, they've all been dead ends, and further leads haven't been developed, so the case remains just sort of stagnant right now. And if the police have developed other theories about what happened to Michaela, or if they have any information outside of what I've told you, then they haven't shared it. And this must be so hard for her family because that means that for over seven years, they have just sat there with this pain and this grief and it hasn't gone anywhere because no one is any closer to finding Michaela and figuring out what happened to her. So there isn't any closure for her family because she's just missing. Like you can't grieve properly. If somebody passes away and you know what happened to them, then you can have a funeral and put them to rest and stuff. But when someone is missing, like they've just vanished, you're just permanently grieving until you figure out what happened. And like, that just sounds like a personal, like hell, like a nightmare. In 2019, three years after Michaela's disappearance, Paula said that she, of course, is worried and devastated about Michaela being missing. But Michaela had two little siblings. She had a little brother and a little sister. So Paula was starting to worry about them and how hard this whole ordeal was on the kids and the rest of the family. Mm -hmm. And she said, quote, my youngest daughter writes notes to Michaela. So she takes them down to Michaela's room and she puts them on her bed or she puts them on her dresser. You literally pull the dresser open and it pops full of these little notes. And she makes her Christmas presents and says, this is for you. And I think it's hard for her because she's beginning to forget her a little bit. Unquote. To add to this, I have another quote from Paula. Quote, Michaela's room looks the way it did when she left. You just hope she'll walk through the door one day. So you leave everything in a time capsule. Unquote. On each anniversary of her disappearance, the family holds a candlelit vigil at Sacred Heart High School. They use the vigil as an opportunity to remember Michaela, honor her, to get together and share with the community about her disappearance and to continue to raise awareness that she is still missing. And those attending the vigil are encouraged to wear blue because that was Michaela's favorite color. 
Another way the family keeps Michaela's case alive is through the Homeward Bound Project, which is funded by the Washington State Police to spotlight missing children. I went down a rabbit hole because this is Saskatchewan. We're Canadian here. Mm-hmm. We're Canadian here like I live in Saskatchewan. We're Canadian here. <laughs> Saskatchewan is Canadian. Obviously, Washington State is Washington State in the United States of America, mm-hmm. which is right on the West Coast. Saskatchewan is smack dab in the middle of Canada, so it's not even like a coastal province. So I was like, this is the strangest pairing. And on my rabbit hole, I found that there was a big tip that had gone into the RCMP in, about Michaela being seen in Washington, basically. And it was this whole ordeal of trying to figure out where she was in Washington. So the RCMP and stuff had worked closely with the Washington State Police and developed whatever kind of bond. And then this Homeward Bound project thing came up. So they did this to spotlight Michaela's case. So that's basically what happened. Well, I I really appreciate that. That's exactly what I want police to do. Uh Like that kind of like cooperation and then progress, like, progress yeah like to the point where they're building different programs Mm -hmm. together like shit like that's good well yeah it's just it's washington state's program and they just kind of let michaela be featured in it yeah sorry like that's what i meant like it just Mm -hmm. expanding it so that it accommodates so in spring 2022 two semi trailers like big transport trucks the huge trailers that they haul has Michaela's photo and information on it. And this is what the Homeward Bound Project does. They put the whole 18-wheeler, basically, Mm -hmm. has a missing person on it, missing right across it, all of the information. And it traverses up and down the West Coast from Mexico to Vancouver Mm. in hopes of sparking new tips. So that is like... I really like that. Yeah. And... uh. Here's a suggestion. Hey, everyone really hates people who own Amazon right now. And uh, guys, if you ever want some good PR, maybe just start doing some good, like slapping that onto your fucking car instead of in trucks, instead of just an all white side and a little check thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I wish I wish more trucking companies would do that. I know there's a lot of like small ones that do that. Mm-hmm. But I wish the bigger ones like Walmart and Amazon and shit that have the infrastructure to go all across. No kidding. North America to be doing that. Like like actual freight. Yeah, like actual freight. Mm-hmm. Slap it on the trains. Oh, that would be so good. Yeah, because you're just sitting there like what a captive audience. It's such a good idea, too, because it's literally a moving billboard. If you're using that huge trailer on a truck, it's a moving billboard. And I thought this was so interesting because I've never heard anything like this. I'll also post pictures on Instagram about what this looks like because it is amazing. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen anything like that using a truck to promote something like this, in this case, a missing person. And then earlier this week on the back of a transport truck we saw a huge photo of a person who was killed by a drunk driver yep and it was to promote mothers against drunk driving Mm -hmm. and i thought that was really morbid but really interesting and cool to use the truck um 
for that purpose because mm-hmm. it is like you said this huge white canvas yeah and i never seen anything like that the mad photo yeah i've never seen the photo either before and that really surprised me then to be researching this case and then see that they were using the transport trucks to put missing people on i was like man there is an interesting theme happening here and i like it yeah so this uh program homeward bound project actually does help uh the article i read was from earlier this year i believe april and it said that it it generates thousands of tips and three people that had been featured were found there you go and like i don't think that is anything to shake your head at three people is three whole ass people just a small amount of cars with just a truck used as a billboard that's a lot imagine how many trucks aren't doing this and could be exactly like so you you save three which on its own is worth the effort it's three now slap it on way more trucks and see what happens i mean i know that everyone's like it's a great idea because like it'll like say it's it'll get awareness out and in my mind i'm like well try looking at it like this if if you're ever like on the fence about it if you were in the shoes of someone who abducted somebody else (laughs) and you're trying to move them across the country Mm -hmm. what's going to make you shit your pants more a fucking truck yeah on like in every goddamn town driving around with someone's face on it exactly and it could be the person you you're trying to to hide and a truck that's going to stop at truck stops and places where if someone's literally moving another human they'll probably also likely stop yep and people will see that truck drive by and they'll be like oh my fucking god wasn't that guy just in here yeah like the only reason i don't think that this isn't just wide scale is maybe the police don't have the infrastructure to deal with the tips oh there's yeah probably multiple reasons for sure it is such such a cool idea though and in Michaela's case, with her photo being on there, thousands of tips did come in. And, of course, they were investigated. But here we are. The family's no closer to finding Michaela. Still an amazing idea, though. Mm-hmm. I love it. Michaela Bali is a white female. She was five foot, two inches tall, 126 pounds, with a slender build when she went missing she has a fair complexion blue eyes and when she went missing she had blonde shoulder length hair but her natural hair color is red like a strawberry blonde if anything but it is pretty red Mm -hmm. so um it could be red now she has acne i'm I'm just reading through this and i'm like this is very um not i don't even know what the word is okay this is how they've used to describe her she has acne several chicken pox scars on her forehead and between her eyes a light birthmark the size of a dime on the right side of her jaw a mole on the right side of her chin protruding front teeth a scar on her left hand and scars on one of her upper thighs from self-harm like that couldn't have been any more insensitive (laughs) Yeah, actually, that was kind of... And... Wow. This makes her sound like a goblin. I'm sorry, but she's a beautiful girl. Like, I don't... This description was put together by someone who's very literal or something. Yeah. I know that you're supposed to put very, like, 
uh, unique characteristics. front teeth is such an odd thing to just slap in there. Yeah. Like, that was uncalled for. Ac- she has acne, several chicken pox scars on her forehead and between her eyebrows. Why do they, why can't you just say, like, like, just marks? Marks. Yeah. I don't. Anyway, all right. I didn't really realize it until I just went to read it out loud and I was like, holy hell. Yeah. Like, give the girl some credit. Yeah. I'm obviously going to post pictures of her. You can see her. She's a beautiful girl. I don't know why they had to do her dirty like this. When she went missing, she was wearing thick-rimmed teal eyeglasses, a light green or teal infinity scarf, a maroon or plum-colored coat, a turquoise blouse, either black or gray leggings, or dark blue skinny jeans with a sparkle or white design on the back pocket. Those are very different pant styles, but one description is given from, like, um, the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children. I probably fucked that up. And the other is from like the RCMP. Mm-hmm. So she's wearing either type of pants there. Maroon or brown ankle boots with chunky heels. And she had a dark blue plaid backpack. She was 16 when she disappeared. So today, which is November 2023, she's 24 years old. Saskatchewan RCMP continued to search for Michaela despite no activity on her bank account and no digital footprint of any kind. There is a $100,000 reward for information that leads to Michaela's whereabouts. So if you have any information on this case, please contact any of the places listed in the show notes. There's quite a few. I don't want to list them here. It's pointless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, are, are you going to grab a pen? No one has a pen. <laughs> Just look in the show notes. Paula chooses to believe that Michaela is alive, as there's been no evidence that she isn't. Quote, in my heart, I want to believe that she is fine, that she is safe, and that a safe return is possible. And until I know otherwise, I will continue to believe that. Unquote. The Bali family has vowed to never stop searching for Michaela. And if you're in Canada, specifically the prairies, keep your eyes out. She left her passport at home, so unless she got a fake one or she was smuggled out, she's likely still in Canada. So just mm-hmm. keep your eyes peeled. And that is the story of Michaela Bali. Hmm. Tough with these missing people cases that don't really have any resolution. They're still ongoing. You have a family who wants answers. All you can do is speculate and have theories, but mm-hmm. important to talk about them. Yeah, I was going to say they're one of my favorite for that reason. You got to keep them out there. And I think that with all of our resources and money we have, Dyson, we should start this oh, idea yeah. of transport trucks and missing people on them because they're actually moving billboards. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, I'll tap into that swath of money that we have just piled up in the corner. Yeah, because we're <laughs> super, super rich podcasters who don't do this purely <laughs> because we love to do it. We make millions. Yeah, yeah. We are the media. <laughs> <laughs> me i'm poor so yes i mentioned a few uh reasons to check out the show notes you gotta look in the show notes if you have any information obviously they'll be linked phone numbers email addresses websites all of that and then a link to our instagram if you want to look at the maps that because i talked about so many different places and obviously photos of michaela and links to our website where I will put the sources and all of that. And 
just whatever you know the drill by now there's links in the show notes check them out <laughs> i thank you for tuning in and for sticking with me i have been a hot mess this episode getting tongue-tied having dyson do a lot of editing <laughs> and i just love you thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the dark side yeah, they'd never know until now bye-bye in Saskatchewan. Did I say Saskatchewan weird? How do you... Sask- Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan? Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan? Saskatchewan. No, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Yeah. Oh my god. Saskatchewan. <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> Saskatchewan. That sounds wrong. Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan.